0: Outdoor Edge in their complete lineup of knives and game processing kits. These guys right now are doing an absolutely huge giveaway where you could win an elk hunt. And not just any elk hunt. We're talking about a 7 or 8 mile horseback ride into the backcountry. We're talking a one-on-one guided hunt. Enter the discount code NATION30. That's the word NATION with the number 30 after that. No spaces. NATION30 and you will receive 30% off your purchase.
1: Welcome to the Land and Legacy Podcast. We're your hosts Adam Keith and Matt Dye. This is your number one resource for all things land. If you're interested in conservation, habitat management, hunting strategy, and rural real estate, this is the podcast for you. Welcome back, guys. Um, well, how how do we even kick this off? Matt uh, calling in. <laughs> it's a little weird. Yeah. We're getting back into that uh, that whole travel schedule um, where it's yep, going to be phone are. tags or phone call conversations and um, various things, and not so much. Uh, you know, you're you're actually on the road to go hunt in Oklahoma, or you are in Oklahoma to hunt tomorrow and next several days, but. Um, you know, as we kick into consulting season, because we're kind of getting right out here, of the yeah. rut, you know, the next consult that's on the books is in a week or two. And so, uh, yep. it's it's getting ready to hit. And, um, you know, so
2: this is, this is like the last chance for, for romance kind of thing for me. Lucky to be able to get away for a day or two and want to take up, uh, the opportunity to just come and see this place during, um, Hunting season because it's such a generous offer, and it's like, gosh, got got to take a little bit of time to do it. Yeah. But without a doubt, next couple weeks we're on the road and back and working properties and farms all over the country, and I love love the downtime, but it's also a lot of fun being out there and working with people because you get to have conversations like you did with louie tonight or, yeah. or or you know on the other podcast you know working with folks that are energetic excited about land management excited about properties and land ownership um and just put a mm. lot of energy into that that is that is who we're working with and that's so rewarding so i'm excited one to be in Obama, but also for the next um, let's say wave of of working with individuals across the country.
1: Absolutely, you know, we did a podcast back in August about the the, the plans to hunt Oklahoma, and we had big plans. I think some guys <laughs> have really been following along and going, "Okay, yeah, yeah, I'm really excited to hear this." But unfortunately, I think a lot of guys can relate to that too of what we're getting ready to say. Life, but life hit, and uh, we both had uh, we both had things that required um, lots of time and yeah. um, travel that was not work-related, and therefore life hit. And we were like, well, we'll get out there if we can. And for Maybe. me, personally, <laughs> you know, I I just had a, we had our second baby in August. And um, the oldest girl uh, was not as quick to jump into, uh, how should I say this? The ability for me to leave was not as easy as I thought it was going to be or had planned on it. Um, and so therefore Correct. I've been here, shoot, I got, I sent my brother pictures or videos while we were hunting. Like we, I, I haven't hunted a single afternoon all year because, um, attempting to put one of these children to bed while the other one, it's like, you have to pick your kid and you never want to do that. And so, <laughs> you know, for me, it was like, oh, this is impossible. I'm not going to let my wife go through this without me. So i've been here a lot uh and hunted very you know not not a ton um even this fall even though we both killed bucks and uh fortunately um you know that's that's part of having young kids and so for me it was just like yikes uh i wish oklahoma was gonna work but i'm not sure it's gonna work at least not right now and so you're out there by yourself uh or without yep. me um for the next couple of days and so we're gonna uh, I'll be anxious or excited to hear—not anxious, but I'll be excited to hear how how it's shaping up out there.
2: Yeah, I'm excited to, excited to get eyes on it. I mean, everything changes, you know, during during the fall, and and I mean, there's there's hundreds of acres that are underwater and thousands of of ducks and geese on this property right now. So you know, things change a lot from August till now, and um, I'm I'm excited to get the all around report. Kind of inventory here on the property, but definitely will be targeting some some deer well, over here. Yeah. So I'm excited. But um, you know, we do also have, I think, a a, a really timely, but let's say a, a clarifying type of podcast too, or or a definition um, where we're gonna like let's say where the rubber meets the road on on terms and using them appropriately, but more or less more importantly than using them appropriately is applying them appropriate to a property i i think that well i'll let you introduce the terms but this this idea or these two terms are oftentimes misused and misunderstood and i think that with the clarification that we're able to bring through this podcast it will help people realize maybe where they're misunderstanding um the usage and how they can also improve their property but increase the number of hunting acres on their property
1: oh for sure yeah um you know these two terms get thrown around a lot and uh honestly I'm not sure the second one the one that we kind of use a lot is is used I I know there's other terms that people use this is kind of one that I know we use a good amount Um, but the first word being sanctuary uh, and this and this all comes from a you know this is why we encourage people to write into us on social media and shoot us an email at info tv because this, this whole podcast topic came from a, a guy sending me a message mm-hmm. on Facebook mm-hmm. asking me kind of the difference or what I thought of sanctuaries. And uh, so that's kind of one of those things, guys, why uh, if you got questions, please send them in because I, it, may, it may just be a podcast topic. But sanctuary um, being one word that, man, I've heard that term for so many years about deer management or running a farm and uh you know it, 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 we'll define it we'll use our definition or what we believe other people use it for and then the other term that we're comparing is bedding thicket um and so those two terms you know bedding area bedding thicket and sanctuary um because i think um not only just are we going to cover the, the 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 terms and the definitions but also what they tend to be when people use the word what we typically see. You know, we're we're on going up on our fifth consulting season, I believe. Uh in that right? Yeah, yeah. sixth. Fifth. It's gonna be our fifth. So we started in fifth. seventeen, this will be twenty one. So um anyway, uh so seventeen, eighteen, nineteen, twenty, twenty one. So yeah, our fifth our fifth season is consulting season as land and legacy, you know, we consulted other, right. other places in the past, but um, and in twenty eight states now. And when I hear the term sanctuary, to be perfectly honest with you, it has no weight, no value, no no depth to the term because I've heard it and heard it and heard it and heard it. And typically, you know, when I <laughs> I don't know about you, Matt, but when I hear the word sanctuary, I think of a big area with little management. and It's just an area that doesn't get in uh, human pressure.
2: That's that's essentially all that it ever is cracked up to be. It's simply, to me, like, in in my opinion, I hear that word. All I can really think of is two different things. The first one is is the the lack of human intrusion. Basically, it's just this designated space. Typically, like, we're not talking like an acre or two. We're talking typically like 10, 20, 30, 40 acres of a property that is essentially deemed do not enter that's a sanctuary i don't go in there i don't do anything in there i I leave that i might blood
1: trail a deer i might shed hunt it or i might walk through it during turkey season and those are about the three things that i hear you know people (laughs) utilizing their sanctuary areas for the,
2: the other the other thing that i think is super important to um compare and contrast between these two terms is from from the sanctuary side of things, it's not designated, let's say, as a sanctuary by the wildlife who are who it's left for. Yeah. It's simply designated by by someone, let's say, a landowner or a hunter, by a you know, the the person or the the thing that is not using it as a resource is designating what it is. Yeah. Where in comparison, like a bedding thicket, the deer are choosing that. So yeah. you know that it's it's what they want, whereas this is just a human aspect. They're the origin of where this phrase is coming from, a blanket, let's say, statement over obnoxiously probably too large of an area to say it's sanctuary. Yeah.
1: Sanctuary to me is not the... It's the absence of human intrusion, not the promotion yeah. of wildlife cover or wildlife habitat. Um, now, and, and you know, there are guys... Speaking. There are guys, or that that could probably you know down south, northeast, wherever there's uh, lots of timber management going on, where there may be a large clear cut, and it's like that's a sanctuary. Now, I don't go into that clear cut probably for reasons of <laughs> it's going to be a, a pain to walk through there, but <laughs> yeah. it's a sanctuary. And and once again, that sanctuary being a you know thirty acre clear cut, there could be a pile of deer, a pile of wildlife in there. Um mm-hmm. but it's hard to hunt a thirty acre area. Yep. And so that's where, you know, you're still even though you're going a complete one eighty and go, well there's probably a lot of really good cover and pretty good woody brows or pretty good forage in there, it's still hard to hunt.
0: Yep.
1: And and it so
2: a vast amount of area.
1: Uh you know, in my head, because e- each person doesn't matter where you're at in the country, you're gonna have a different definition or a different picture in your head of what a sanctuary is. But when I see us, like when I hear the word sanctuary in regards to land management, I picture a guy waving his finger around on a map in a pretty good sized area saying, yeah, this area right here, is sanctuary. And it's like, okay. And then you see it and it's like, I can see halfway through this area just by ducking my head under the browse line or ducking my head under the closed canopy. Like, I can see a long ways that, that this is not quality. This is this is just uh, an area that you're choosing not to go. and, uh, and I, Yeah. I'll just say, I think that a lot of times, even in the Midwest, a lot of people are like, especially
2: when crops get harvested, they're like, I'm not going in the timber. Like, I just won't. All of my timber on my properties are sanctuary. So they'll hunt field areas or they'll hunt, standing grain that's left or a food plot or something. But like soon as they step put into the timber, there's a risk of, of bumping a deer. So they just say, you know what? I'm out. I'm not going to do that. So, so you give all the advantage, let's say to the wildlife of um, this blanket security, I'm um, air quoting the security aspect to the timber and You're left just sitting there waiting, hoping that, you know, there's daylight activity on a field where, you know, let's just say you've got 50 acres of timber. You can concentrate those deer down into very defined regions by improving the habitat and then hunt more of your farm and actually access those resources like acorns, like travel corridors, like the pinch points, things like that, that's those timbered acres would offer Mm -hmm. and so i think some of it's like it's almost almost used as a hunting strategy to call something a sanctuary and not intrude it but at the same time it's like well what if you actually didn't have the sanctuary term and and you began to adopt these areas of you know dense cover more confined your hunting strategy would be greatly improved and allow you to hunt more of your actual property
1: absolutely and 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 so the guy that wrote in he asked me you know i believe i heard you talk in one of our videos or one of our podcasts about hunting over a bedding thicket and Mm -hmm. and i was like yeah you know i it's not ideal i would much rather be off you know 50 60 yards from a bedding cut But if the situation means that I have to hunt right next to the edge, I would rather do that than hunt a 30-acre sanctuary having really no idea where the deer are going. And they could be cut through the middle, the other side. There's nothing really attractive to that sanctuary. And so what I tried to describe to him was, you know, it's not going to be a perfect circle every time, obviously. Um, But picture almost like a bullseye effect where you've got a 10 or 12 ring that's the actual bedding thicket, but you've got many other portions of the bullseye of the target that aren't a bedding thicket that are just kind of the cushion off of that bedding thicket to to give it a little bit of space so you can access the property or go on down to another bedding thicket. But it gives you, you know, in an ideal world, you have the densely Densely packed bedding thicket, which is mainly a micro clear cut with mix of hinge cuts and flush cuts and flush cuts with herbicides. So you get uh it's not a stump sprout sapling dominated area. It's got a great mix of sprouts and and hinge cuts and herbaceous plants that are forbs that are gonna provide good browse, but also some cover and then a mix of grasses in there. Um and so you kinda have that densely located uh on, on the bullseye or in the area of the overall sanctuary. And then you may have another bedding thicket three hundred yards down that's in that if you wanna if you will, that same that same bullseye or that same target area where it may be a thirty acre or a, yeah, a thirty acre chunk, but you've got two bedding thickets in it. Rather than just a uh-huh. thirty acre area that says that's a sanctuary. And uh, uh for me it's like, you know, we we used to do them on the podcast, and we we just went on to something else. But it's like, would you rather have forty acre sanctuary, air quote it, or a five acre area with a one acre bedding thicket in it? Like, if you had to own one, which one would you own? And it's like, well, I mean, or having permission not to. To hunt, which one would you rather hunt, the 5-acre with a bedding thicket or the 40-acre with nothing going on? And I would rather hunt the 5-acre with a bedding thicket. Hands down, I wouldn't even second-guess it. Yeah. No,
2: no, not at all, because we know that wildlife, their daily movements, their daily requirements of all different types of resources, whether they're talking dietary or security, survival, whatever, is dictated by the habitat.
1: Absolutely. And so
2: I want something that is actually qualifies as habitat not just trees growing somewhere yeah um, and i think it's also i think it's i think it's dangerous and kind of silly to assume that wildlife let's say we've got this 30 acre sanctuary it's it's not like there's let's just say there's 30 deer bedded in this area it's not like those deer are equally distributed across this 30 acres day in and day out, there's probably certain points or topography features or maybe a couple down trees or, you know, greenbriar thickets scattered throughout, you know, the creek system that goes through there, just name and stuff. But, like, those deer are going to be relatively routine and probably where they're going to choose to bed down in this whole 30-acre section. So it's like you you gave the deer way too much room that you never, ever go in. It's like, when when do you actually, like you, you, the, your best hunting opportunities are dawn and dusk, and that movement is typically closer to the bedding area, and you're shooting yourself in the foot if you give this broad sanctuary so much, let's say, depth that, that you don't ever intrude, where well. you don't ever have opportunities, hardly that daylight activity or that type of activity in and around, areas that deer are close you know bedding down i think there's as we have we as we've done this and so many people across the country have started to cut in these bedding thickets one thing that beyond just the success that they're having of of bucks cruising downwind or does just piling in every single day on cameras and they're shooting them all this stuff that's fantastic and that's the goal but the other aspect that is the the key player into this is the way they talk about the deer interacting and behaving in these areas? There's without a doubt when they talk about the hunt, describe the hunt, and know the activity that's occurring. These deer know it and feel 100% secure in these areas, the bedding thicket areas, not just this 30-acre sanctuary. That that's just too vast, almost yeah. with crappy with crappy habitat. It, it, you confine it down, put it where it needs to go, create it, and then sit back and watch yeah. it just unfold.
1: Yeah, and, and, and you could expand on my last one and say, okay, would you rather have fifty acres with three bedding thickets or four bedding thickets or five hundred acres of of just timber? And I'd still would rather because you're just it's a shot in the dark when you're hunting large areas that don't have any kind of edge effect and or yeah. any and especially during the rut any kind of adequate cover and i think that mm-hmm. like a lot of times i hate to say it but like if if you pay attention to social media or, or even youtube videos when people state cover um it's typically you know i i will hand it to the hinge cut guys they they know and there's a reason why hinge cutting took off is because those hinge cut areas are very thick um but like you you can hear guys say oh we're hunting this thick thick little cover area or we're in this thicket it's like that's not really that thick that's just a lot of stems per acre um yeah. there there's a much better option out there and, you know, for me, I would, I would, that's where you key in on, man. I mean, we're watching it on cameras, and it's just like with each and every day, uh, we get reminded of how powerful a bedding thicket is, or how powerful quality cover is, and how important it is to have on your farm. And I feel like so many times we, we visit farms, time and time again, where it's like ah, we need thickets. We need we need better cover. That's that's the yeah. that's where we're gonna see it. That's where we're gonna see the biggest change very quickly. And and I you know you think of running a chainsaw. Oh, this is this is long term management. This is gonna take a while. No, it's really not. It could probably take effect almost as quickly as a pile of corn. Uh, because depending on the time of <laughs> yeah. the year, you know, you go run and saw in the middle of the winter and you're going to see deer in there almost uh, within hours sometimes, especially if you do it for several days in a row. And,
2: and I think, I think that response time is, is very, um, uh, dictated on the quality of other habitat that's around. If yeah. all you have is it's closed canopy timber and you start dropping a couple of trees, look out. I mean, they're coming, like yeah. they will, they will a hundred percent be there, um, but you know, I, well, it kind of takes me back to kind of a sidebar conversation. We haven't talked a lot about it, and, and you know, since the fall and everything. But um, working with uh, a father and son team right now for uh, finding a piece of property, they they sold one, and we're trying to move to another one in in fantastic state of Kansas. But we're looking at two separate farms, pretty much drastically different, and kind of going back and forth. I got and side note you're never going to find the perfect farm like in real estate. There's always work to be done, right? That's a whole nother podcast, but we're never going to find one that's just like perfect, ready to go, say air quote turnkey. Generally speaking, there's always something to do. So we're looking at these, comparing these two different farms, vastly different. One's got some uh, native pasture with a big creek system. Um, that's kind of got some wooded a wooded creek system and then some tillable on it and then surrounded by some some big native pastures around it um, so cover is relatively limited but they have a good corridor right through it as one option another option is a, a larger creek system where there's much more cover on this place and then in the neighborhood there's a lot of cover um but one has topography features and the other one doesn't. We're going back and forth as to, okay, what are the resources here? What can we do here? What's the timeline on getting that one turned around? Well, what's the timeline on this one? One of the one of the things I keep going back to is hey, with this one farm that's got quite a bit of, um, someone would look at it They that's there's cover there. It's not great quality cover, but there's stuff there. It's like, go in there. that's the same one with the topography features on it that are just pretty dang killer, but it's go in there, run the chainsaw, and then start putting deer where you want them and where it makes sense. The other one, we're we're having to maybe take some tillable out, put in the CRP, maybe change the way that those native pastures are being managed currently, and then wait on that response. Um, That could take some time, Still very good for that area, but this other one, we can go in there and really start hammering this stuff out. And I think it's going to hunt great, and it looks like a great neighborhood. And you've got a lot, a lot more options, let's say, with this other one. And so we're having those conversations of before, before even walking it or buying it. like, where would we place them? Where would we? Okay, if we did one here, then now, now you have this access and, and potentials here for multiple wind sets or, you know, all these different things. It's like, that's how important cover is. It, it, but prior to even buying a place, we're talking about it, how it would be set up, not just, well, I've got this place, or I've had this place for 10 years, the hunting's going down. I think I need this. Well, yeah, you need it right out of the gate.
1: Yeah. yeah.
2: What are you waiting for? Like a tornado to come by and create it for you? You need it.
1: You yeah. gotta have it, and, and the it deer to. are gonna flock to it. That's why I said going back into August when I said that about you know if I if I just picked up a farm like I I closed on a property August fifteenth and okay it's time to I've only got a little bit of time do I either go run a chainsaw or do I go and try to plant food plots and and, and I think we're I think we're missing it if we're going food plots first. Um, yeah. because the bedding thickets are time and time again. I mean, our trail cameras can prove it. Our hunting observations can prove it. Everything, you know. I didn't even mention it because it it didn't even really register in my mind because it's so second nature on the family farm. But the buck I shot in rifle season, lo and behold, was dead. Uh, he was downwind of a bedding thicket, um, mm-hmm. working a scrape. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like, oh, yep. oh, forgot about that. Um, but. Uh, and that was one that Chad and I just cut in last February or March. So, uh, it's not that old of a cut, but you know, our big piney, our big piney, uh, camera, um, the cutty back, we've got downwind of it's it. Dynamite! Oh my gosh. It's been deer. Well, with the big nine pointer that I hit wounded was just there what, two nights ago or last night. Mm-hmm. I can't remember. Mm-hmm. Um, down, downwind of it. Checking. That's great. And it's just like, golly, <laughs> that's just dynamite. And I don't
2: want to say it. It's, it's overnight success, but it's it's stinking close to overnight success when you create the cover that they want and uh, the resources, the food resources. And, and here's the, the cool part about it. Is we talk so much about betting tickets and rut. Like those two words, if you go to our website, are probably used so frequently. But the the, the most awesome part is that cut that, that is getting done or should be implemented on your property is good in December, it's good in January, February, March, April, May, June, July, August, September, and November. Like it there is something that it is offering year round. Yeah. It's not just a hunting thing. Like in December, if I am looking for, or I'm trying to find a resource and I don't have, you know, standing, crops or great food plots at that time of year i'm going to pick areas that got woody brows and that's where deer will be feeding well that's what that's what the cut is hello like there's more resources there to them all throughout hunting season and then really what matters the most the outside of hunting season where they're either growing more fawns dropping fawns or growing inches antler. That's what those things are
1: doing. Yeah. Not only is it providing food, it doesn't matter what calendar page you're at, but there's food available in a betting ticket. And it doesn't yeah. matter what calendar page you're at, but there's cover available. And mm-hmm. it's just like you, there's not many things in the world of land management, and specifically for whitetail deer, that has more year-round usability than a young forest um a diverse young forest and you know I there's different terms we call them bedding thickets because it's kind of an idea of a thicket that offers bedding but not only for deer but also for you know nesting um, or bugging areas for turkeys so it's kind of a hybrid because you've got young forest because we didn't treat all the stumps so there's hinge cuts, so there's there's sprouts uh, available or browse not only in a hinge cut but also a flush cut, so just a stump that's coming up. But then at the same time, because we've opened up the canopy enough by design, and, and you know, that's a whole nother podcast of some of the faults that happen on a on a bedding thicket or a attempt at a at a bedding area in the forest, but if you've opened it up enough, you're gonna get a flush of uh brambles, forbs, and grasses. Um and and all of those can help attract insects for uh, insects for uh bugging opportunities, not only for turkeys, but many other birds. And the list is long about all the benefits, and that's just why we go on and on and on. But the importance of this podcast was to differentiate the difference between a sanctuary and a bedding thicket. You could call yeah. our bedding thickets sanctuaries, but... Please do. <laughs> yeah, that's that's what they are. But a blanket statement sanctuary of uh, an area that's not being managed, and I, we say this a lot, or we've talked about it off podcast, but you know, maybe we don't hammer it home enough on a podcast. But if you've got an area of your farm that you're not going into ever for fear of disturbance, you're missing the boat because you should be going in there. I would much rather disturb the heck out of my farm knowing that I'm improving the habitat. Like if I'm running a, if, if, if you have two farms and one farm has got a guy running a chainsaw like a madman, he's all over it. And you've got another farm, a guy just never goes in there ever. I'll, I would rather hunt the farm where the guy's running the chainsaw. Because I know there's food. I know there's sunlight. I know there's cover. I know there's many factors. And I know the deer are conditioned to that guy running a chainsaw. So they've got everything yep. they need. And they're used to the disturbance versus the other one where you walk through the timber and it's like, whoa, okay, somebody's hunting. I'm out of here.
2: A, a sanctuary without quality habitat is just a woodlot.
0: It's, like, just, it, 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 it's a pass-through.
2: Yeah, it, it's its just this spot on the map and, and a spot on the map that does not have weight at all for wildlife, Um And and I I know that there's people out there, and and they're thinking, well, guys, I haven't cut anything. I haven't done anything. It's pretty close-case, but there's deer in there all the time. Well, it's like, well, now we might be in a different situation where the cover just in your your general area is really limited, but don't equate your poor cover uh, of closed canopy timber for good cover. By default, they have to be there because there's nothing else.
1: Reminds so, me of an old Jeff. Even if you ha- Go ahead. Go ahead. I was- uh,
2: well, I was just say if you have that, if you have the deer, that doesn't mean that it can't be improved, and that more resources shouldn't be allotted to those acres in the form of woody brows, brambles, forbs, grasses, all these other components that should be a part of a sanctuary. Yeah. Sanctuary without habitat, again, it's just, it's
1: just trees. <laughs> it. It's just pitiful. I was reminded yeah. when you said all that, I was reminded of an old Jeff Foxworthy line. I don't know, VHF, just I, th- I think it was his VHS called Totally Committed. Um, and, and it was like, oh, if you think jello's good cold, oh, you ought to put it in the microwave. And that reminded me of this sanctuary. Oh, you think this sanctuary's good now? Oh, you ought yeah. to wait till you cut some trees.
2: You want to wait till you get 80% sunlight in specific areas. Yeah. Um, that stuff is awesome. You know, another one that, you know, we we probably could do is, you know, people are always wondering, like, okay, well, where do I put them? You got to stay roughly an acre to three acres in size and the timber based around your road systems and boundaries and access and all that stuff. But, like, terrain yeah. features. That's where say There's areas where it just, like, slam dunk. Yeah. You can, you can put your, like, you know, I can look on a map and say from a thousand miles away, I'm having one there based yeah. on topography features. We yeah. need, we should cover that. But um, that's yeah, when I mean, we say it, it, it
1: depends, it, you know, that's what our consulting services, that's what we're hired yeah. for. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It, Cause yeah. Yeah, I, I just want to, maybe I'll p- try to paint a picture for you, but if you have a big rectangle and that is your farm and it's the perfect, perfect shape because It's just everybody can picture a rectangle, Um, and you've got betting tickets dotted around, or just say puzzle pieces, and you move one puzzle piece here and another one over here, and you try to put one in between them um, that's slightly towards more towards the center than the others, and it winds up that that one's the one that's a little closer to center is more attractive for a specific buck, and you know that based on camera, and you go in to try to hunt the downwind side. But all of a sudden, you realize that the deer are cutting the corner uh, of the other two that are close in conjunction, so they're going behind you downwind. That causes a problem, and so laying them out correctly to where you can maneuver through the property, maneuver around the outside perimeter. However, however, we use access to the to the farm is key in the in the overall design and the architecture because you don't want to put them in a place and go rut-row raggy um, because yeah. there's a line that my daughter uses um, because it's there for a long time when it comes to a bedding thicket unless you go in and completely doze it out or do something. But, yeah, I would say, Plate for, for example, if you go in and there's closed canopy us and you cut in a bedding thicket and realize that, oh, that's not good. Okay, Dad, cut out all the forest, cut all those trees that I that I had cut down, haul them out of here for firewood. So all that woody structure gets hauled out or burned up. You you throw all the treetops in a pile and you burn it up. Now you still have an opening, and it's still going to be more attractive than closed canopy forest. And so <laughs> yep. you're like, well, shoot, the only way to get rid of that permanently is play more trees and hope, hope they grow up in closed canopy quickly because regardless and that should tell you where closed canopy forest ranks on the on the attractiveness to white-tailed deer is outside of acorns fallen yeah it's not much benefit and so anything outside of closed canopy forest is more attractive most of the time and so making sure your bedding thickets are in the correct spot is crucial
2: yeah i mean a- anybody can go and cut and a chainsaw yeah and, and you know anybody can learn how to do that um but but the placement and the, the orientation distribution of that resource on a farm how it lays out with um you know other resources such as water such as um, terrain such as crop fields such as crp food plots all these different aspects is super super important to get right because yeah. like i said a tree cut it's a tree cut. you don't just stand that puppy back up and and say, whoops, put a band on it, and move on yeah. and That's why I think a lot of people have so much fear mm-hmm. of cutting. they yep. don't want to do it and they don't want to do it wrong. um you know there's that there's not one nice saying or, or a little story. It's like you know the the guy um he went in to fix some engine or something like that, right. The business owner gets a gets a bill oh, that was the and um
1: Ford Motors, Ford Motors story, yeah. yeah the and, engineer uh, that designed the designed the uh, the big machine or whatever, he sent a humongous mm-hmm. bill, and all he did was turn a screw. And he's like, "He knew which
2: ter- screw to turn."
1: Yeah, you're not getting the invoice because I turned a screw. You're getting an invoice because I knew which screw to turn. Yes, exactly. Yeah, and exactly. it kind of goes into the measure twice, cut once mentality, where if you're not thinking through. And I've even had analysis paralysis on my own farm of where to put these bedding thickets in. Because it's like, once this is here, it's there. And there ain't anything yeah. that can bring it back. And so it's like, yeah. I want to make sure we get this right. And, you know, we've we've done it. We're a little slower on the family farm because we do have a timber harvest in the future plan. And so it's like there's only a few key areas, but lo and behold, those key areas that we put them in have been dynamite on camera as well as hunting, um, over the years. Yeah. So, uh, and even this year, did I, yeah, I think I mentioned it, but even the very first one that we did in a in a spot by a stand we call doll Um, that's when I went in there this fall to put up trail camera and found American beautyberry. And it's like, where have we ever seen American beautyberry around the farm? Uh, I can't, name a time and it's like well once again where can you name a woodland around the farm <laughs> not yep. not many places and so uh yep. yeah you, you, I hope that our listeners and you know so many of our guys have written in and sent us pictures and there's so many people out there really doing amazing work um and hopefully getting some inspiration from our podcast every week but I, I hope that some of our listeners don't fall victim and I'm encouraging you guys that this winter you know it's deer season's most likely still open but as it's starting to wind down wherever you're at and you start to shift into that management uh mindset and you're you're shifting back into your your management planning i want you to take a map of your farm whether the, whatever the size of if, it, if it's 100 acre i want you to break it up into 10 acre units if it's 200 acres make it 20 acre units as if it's 500 acres make it 40 acre units um to start because and I want you to grit it off. You know, my family farm. We're going through a survey right now uh, on the Prairie Hollow property and the family farm, and so I, I've got a map of, of all the 40s stacked in there. And from the survey, and I can I'll look in each one of those 40s and say, okay, where am I falling victim to the continuous contiguous habitat fails? And by that I mean where is a 40 acre chunk? or 10-acre chunk or 20-acre chunk, depending on the size of your farm, where it's all the same. And I look at that, and I just might as well get a rubber mallet out and start mashing my toes, because I know I'm going to fall victim to it. Um, Because if you've got a 40-acre chunk and it's all the same, it's all closed canopy forest, or even if it's all a uh, CRP field, it's not as attractive as it should be. It's not as attractive as it can be and we need to change it. We got to figure out something to diversify that unit, break it up, give it more edge. Um, you know, we've talked before that deer are not creatures of the edge. They're just utilizing the edge of things because there's oftentimes habitat features that aren't found anywhere else. And the Definitely. more breaking up the farm you can do, the more fragmenting the farm, the more uh, old fields, or temporary forest openings, or little meadows in the in the timber, or whatever it may be, edge feathering, a food plot, uh, a woodland, a back slope forest, a savanna, a riparian uh, waterway, a forest uh, waterway, whatever it may be. We need to make sure that we just add different habitat features to our farms so we can diversify it add more year-round um potential for your wildlife
2: And by golly enjoy the farm don't yeah. just leave it all to sanctuary
1: oh and and that's where sanctuaries really kind of started almost has a negative connotation with me of of when i hear it i'm like
2: oh what is, uh, i get i get a little bit of a sour taste in my mouth because i i t- my brain i seen so many walk through so many that it is just like this i get a, a picture painted essentially of what it, look, let's let's compare right private land versus public land to me a lot of it's like the wilderness right it's not in this pristine thing but like it's this vast area that hardly anybody goes into because you don't want to walk through it <laughs> and it's just like Hasn't been touched. It hasn't been managed. It hasn't been manipulated. It's yeah. just this n- nothing, nothing zone of um, of of waste. But it sounds good. It sounds like you should have one on your property.
1: That's but, right. It's almost.
2: But a, it only is good if it's implemented appropriately and get... in the right way. At the right areas
1: and size. No absolutely, vision. absolutely. It's just, yeah, it, you you hit it and you kind of touch a little political there. So I applaud you for that. Um, uh, Was there undertones? Yeah. Uh, if you want to make a property <laughs> terrible, make it a wilderness. In my opinion, it's like if you want to make a piece of ground um, not as good, label it as sanctuary and never go in there because that's yeah. the path that it will be on. So, um, and and so going back to that, do you hunt over your sanctuaries? Do you hunt over your bedding thickets? Absolutely. Where else would I hunt? Why wouldn't I, why wouldn't I hunt it? Because, uh, I know that bedding thicket is probably more attractive than anything else around here, especially during the time of the year that I want to hunt the most. So I'm going to set up my, almost in like an egg yolk pattern where, most of the time, if you crack an egg and throw it in the skillet, the yolk doesn't sit right smack dab in the center. It kind of sits off to the side. And so, if you want to really look at it and say, "Okay, well, the yolk is my bedding thicket, and the and the white is my sanctuary," well, I notice the yolk is a little closer to one side than the other. And That's the side that I want closer to my access trail, so I can slip in and get downwind of that bedding thicket or yolk and be right in the wheelhouse on November 5th or whatever day. From October twentieth, November twentieth, um, that you want to be.
2: Yeah, I th- I think the fact that the question even arises that do I hunt the sanctuary or not, it is um is a red flag in my opinion opinion because it's like, why would you not hunt if if it's so good if it's a sanctuary like if it is if it is where all the deer are. Why would you want to be hunting anywhere else? Yeah, and I like, think... Aren't I think... You, Aren't you just wasting time if you're hunting where the deer aren't spending the majority of their time? But it also tells me, and it screams to me, if you're questioning that, that you haven't laid out the property in a way that's accessible to a hunter.
1: Yeah. and I think So when you scale the...
2: that sanctuary down, now we've got something we can work with.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I think... Uh... I, uh, in my opinion, deer are much more accepted uh, or they accept pressure around thick cover better than a larger area with little cover. And by that, I mean, I think if you have a two-acre clear cut or a two-acre or one-acre clear cut and you hunt it a few times and maybe you kick some deer, uh you, you bump some deer walking to your stand or you bump some deer, the wind shifts and a few deer get nervous and smell you and run off. I still feel like you have a better chance at returning to that same set and seeing deer than you would going into a 30 acre unit. That's got no cover value and bumping a few deer. Yeah, for sure. So, for sure. man, I, I hope the that... other
2: thing, you know, Ryan Kirby, just a couple weeks ago was talking about on 40 acres, his buddy, was hunting over the same bedding area for, I think, three to four days on 40 acres. Yeah. With the right wind.
1: Ride the hole, baby.
2: I mean, when it's
1: good, it's good.
2: Yeah. Hunt it. Yep. That's where the deer are. Why Why again would you want to be anywhere else?
1: Yep. If you can get in and out. Man. And that's where, like, from year to year, when you have multiple bedding thickets laid out, from year to year, you probably won't hunt the same one every year, the same because deer are going to change and different deer are going to have different core areas. And you may notice that, okay, this year my target buck is on the north side of the property and he's around these two bedding thickets. And you may hunt those two bedding thickets multiple times. But the next year rolls around after you've harvested that deer, you may be going, man, I'm over here on the east side of the farm this year because that's where that buck wants to hang out. And before you know it, you're Mm -hmm. like, man, just there's like this whirlpool effect where Every year, there's a good buck somewhere on the farm, or multiple good bucks, and they're they've got their own little section of bedding tickets that they like to be around. Yeah. Yeah, man. I, I I hope you know people are if if every single listener that we have now, I know there's some guys that lease and they haven't quite cracked that egg on getting to the landowner or the family member that owns the farm yet and getting them convinced to let them cut some trees. By the end of this January, when we get ready to run through this the just the, the gauntlet of of clients with success on betting tickets and, and the observations we've made over the next two months, month and a half. If there if every single listener that has the ability isn't fired up a chainsaw and is cutting some trees and trying to cut some of these, we fail as podcast hosts. <laughs> I hope I hope the amount of trees that get dropped during this let's say off season
2: um, I hope it registers on the Richter scale of uh, the earth the earthquake meter but just boom boom just consecutive trees dropping across yeah. the country because my gosh we needed to have that the wildlife seen it and you I won't say will regret it but I will strongly strongly feel that you will really love the results of doing so um, you you talk to any of the people that we've had on the podcast and many of those clients who haven't been on the podcast, and they're just jazzed up about what they're seeing in and around these areas. Um, They're good, and that's why we keep hammering them home because really, to me, if you will, it's like the the introduction to habitat management. If you get on board with this, implement it, you're not going to stop. Like, you're not going to stop continuing to implement these, but then you're going to take on additional projects like yeah. old field management, um, edge or feathering. prescribed fire. Yeah. Edge feathering. You're going to be crazy after edge feathering. This is like, do this because I know you're going to love it. And you're going to love the response. You're going to shoot a buck over it and you're not going to want to stop. Yeah. Once you get bitten by the bug, it's, it's crazy good habitat from there.
1: Yeah. Yeah, uh, I had to over on podcast number two this week with Louis in and his success that he's had. I had to throw out a uh, product endorsement for a leave, Matt, um, because of his complaints a leave, about yeah. a uh, a bad back. A leave, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Said my hey, back has if been. That's small. All, if
2: that's the worst thing,
1: well, that's what I, I, I told I'll, him. I said I could have been a consultant that got you that that you hired to get uh, get me there, and then I told you you need to go spend another twenty grand on whatever products. And you could have yep. been going, well, dang. <laughs> I said, I, and yep. he goes, I'd take it. So, yeah. <laughs> oh, man. I hope oh, everybody, please, you know, if you've got questions, shoot us a message on Instagram or Facebook or email at landonlegacyinfo at landonlegacy.tv. Matt, yep. good luck in the morning. Good luck this week. Appreciate it. Um, hopefully, you'll have an update for us, maybe a big buck story yeah. come uh, next hopefully. week's podcast. What is next week? This will drop. Uh, sometime the first, in, week De- well, the no, first week of dis. Well, no, second yeah. week of December. Second week. Oh, this one. This one will drop the first week yeah. of December. December first well. or second, I guess. So, yep. Um, guys, you know December is a very awesome uh, month. Big holiday, most important. Well, one or two, depending on how you want to look at it. I guess number one is what I'd say: Christmas coming up, most important holiday of the year. Uh, birth. Yep of jesus christ so we're going to be celebrating it all month and all year long uh, so you guys hopefully um maybe use 2020 as terrible as it's been for a lot of people use it as the final month the final hoorah to get you to get everything back prioritized correctly with your family and celebrate uh birth of jesus christ at the end of the month matt anything Absolutely. before we go no
2: ready to rock and roll ready to see some deer tomorrow but um ready to get uh more pictures and testimonies of people cutting in bedding thickets and leaving them as sanctuaries.
1: Yeah, here's my challenge, you guys. When you cut one in, take a trail camera, put it, find a find a tree that's already got buds, put a trail camera on it, see how long it takes for deer show up and start eating those buds after you've cut it. I bet you you'll be shocked at how quickly it happens.
2: And have to take before and afters. Oh, same yeah. tree, same spot, before and after, send it to us on social media. We'll post it. Give you a shout out because we'd love to encourage and see people making
1: habitat better. Yeah. All right, guys. Appreciate you. We'll catch you next yeah. week. We'll see ya.